Hey guys, what's happening? Welcome to another Wednesday afternoon. Welcome to Action Movie Anatomy. We are doing our 72nd episode, I think, and this is the Christopher Nolan classic, Inception. We have been waiting to do this movie for months and months and months, and you guys have been egging us on to do it. We have an awesome guest. Hang out with us. We'll see you in just a second. Featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Action Movie Anatomy. Boom! Wow, this is oh, exciting. Oh, wow, that's fun, guys. I feel like we're in a Michael Bay movie. Woo! Yeah. This is very exciting. It's exciting from the opening like, frame. Where's like, I feel like I'm on a ship and I'm going like really fast. Yeah. If you, if you move your arms, it feels like you're riding incredibly fast. Hey, Terry. I feel like there should be a voiceover like, this is the most important day of your life. But we're just here talking Interstellar, everybody. No, it's not Interstellar. Actually, no. Oh, right. <laughs> Andrew but Hush that Trump. was a great joke. <laughs> um, guys, this is Action Movie Anatomy on the Popcorn Talk Network, the online broadcast network dedicated to talking movies and all things movie-related. And this yes. is Action Movie Anatomy. I'm your host, Ben Bateman, joined today by an excellent co-host and a wonderful guest, Mr. Andrew Guy. Woo! That. I'll give you a good, good clap. That's too loud. And Miss Rachel Brooks Smith. Yeah, welcome Woo! to the show. She gets like, Woo! Yes! She gets like a wham right. all the time. I'm here every week. She's never here. <laughs> yeah. But I'm very excited to be here. I've wanted to be here for a very long time. Did we mention that Rachel Rick Smith is an actress, a model, a clothing designer? She's been in Iron Man 2, The Nice Guys, all these movies that we love, that we talk about, and she's here to talk about Inception, one of her favorites, with all of us. So thank you for coming. Yes, and I'm so excited. And you're right, Inception is like, oh, favorite. So yeah. I'm super Well, it's happy. funny because people have been wanting us to do this on the show for a really, really long time. Mm-hmm. And they talk about it every week in the chat. And they've been hounding us for it. And Ben and I, ben and I have always kind of been on the fence. Why? Uh, we weren't sure if it was an action movie enough, it was, if it was enough action or if it was like too drama heavy right. or more of like adventure. Okay. But this is a straight up action movie. It really is. I still, you know, I still think because yeah. of the length and the fact that there's very little action for the first like hour 20, mm-hmm. it's still, I would say it's more of a heist movie than an action movie. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. But it is like, it does have all yeah. the stuff, all the stuff with like the snow and the explosions, like that's all very action heavy. There's all the amazing the feel. stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's just like definitely. the feel. Even when they're in all their dream sequences, it's like you know you're on the edge of your seat the whole time. Yeah, and yeah. Yeah, it's movie's incredible. I mean, it was nominated for best picture, which is like I think pretty rare for like sort of heady sci-fi movies like this. Yes, definitely. Uh, well, I think Nolan is is brilliant at being able to describe something enough for everyone that needs the justification, whilst not being too heavy-handed, so that people that don't care about it can just sit back and enjoy the show. Enjoy the show. Yeah, agreed. Absolutely. So, guys, we cover action movies on the show here. And those action movies usually adhere to four basic rules, aside from being made after 1981, which is kind of like a soft rule. We don't really stick to it all the time. Though we have, we just don't choose that we necessarily need yes. to. Uh, rule number one is that the hero is always the smartest. Th- sorry, the, the hero always plays by their own rules. 70 <laughs> episodes and I get it wrong. Um, <laughs> it's a tough <laughs> show, guys. <laughs> the hero always plays by their own rules. Um, I guess Cobb is the hero, kind of. Yeah, and he definitely plays by his own rules. Because yeah. he doesn't even tell people that they're going to die or yeah. go to limbo if they die or that his wife is just going to show up every time that Absolutely. he's creating a dream. You know who would have been incredible in Cobb's role? Just like, I just... Cruz would have killed this movie. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I know if you guys watch or listen to this show that you, like, know 100% how much we love Tom Cruise. But this how is... Are we five minutes in? Yeah. We really I know, like drop five a Tom minutes. Cruise reference? <laughs> no, I was just thinking about it. Like, he would have nailed it. Like, it would have been perfect. This is such a Cruise type. It's so intense. It's so dramatic. Yeah. Okay, but Leo did a great yeah, job. Yeah, he did. Like, he did. Leo, <laughs> we love Leo. <laughs> and Nolan and Emma were the, he was the only person that they, they considered at all. Yeah. 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 So, two, the hero and the villain are always the smartest people in the room. Who's the villain? 
time. No, I I, that's no. Marianne Cotillard? I guess she is. I mean, kind of, yeah. It kind of goes back and forth. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what's so interesting about this film is that, you know, it... I mean, Christopher Nolan always does. I kind of, like, bends the rules a little bit. And right. I love that. I mean, he sort of... I guess, I guess that sort of makes Cop the hero and the villain. Because she's right, a manifestation yeah. of his mind. Exactly. So, yes. But I think for the purposes of our story, she is the villain. So I think you can say that yep. definitely applies. The movie mm-hmm. is written by a police, military, political, or mercenary figure. He is a mercenary. He's a mercenary. Mm-hmm. He's a hired... Yep. Inceptioner. Inceptioner. <laughs> and uh, rule number word. four, the movie contains a minimum of one explosion. There's actually quite a few in there. Yeah, some yeah. great explosions. Yeah. Which one is your favorite? Of the explosions? Yeah. Um... I think probably when Hardy pulls out the, the grenade launcher, it's pretty sweet. You mustn't dream. What is yeah. it? You mustn't fear to dream a little bigger, darling. Yeah, <laughs> that was Hardy. a great voice. Good job. Yeah, he's not. He's not. Uh, I think mine is the elevator one, because I'm like, yeah. Just, how do I make you drop without gravity? Yeah, I'm right. Like, how do you do this? So Holy shit. great. Yeah, that seems pretty epic. So, guys, those are the. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, the rules that we generally try to stick to with the show. Of course, uh, leave us ratings and reviews on iTunes. It helps us stay high in the standings and uh, provide free content, which we like to do. We will continue to provide to do. If you guys help us out with that and uh, leave your thoughts below on YouTube, we're going to do the AMA question of the day later in the show, which we yeah. always ask you guys on Twitter what you think we should talk about, kind of like a debate subject, so we have that mm. hidden. And if you guys want to follow any one of us or the show on Twitter to follow along, the show's at AMA Podcast. I'm Ben Bateman Media. Uh, you can find me at Andrew Guy. Rachel Brooks Smith at uh, on Twitter or where we are wherever you want wherever yeah. you want okay just go to rachelbsmith.com you'll find it all it's Perfect. a lot easier to find her on the internet than it is to find me <laughs> <laughs> if that makes any sense there are a lot of fake ones look I've me, got though. 200 Twitter followers guys it's intimidating <laughs> um, so yeah that's pretty much that guys let's get into it we're gonna uh, we're gonna queue up the trailer right now for Inception watch that together and uh, and then we'll move on with thesis statement this is a good trailer it's a sweet one, yeah. It's not as close, or it's not as good as The Dark Knight 2 or Interstellar 2, but right. it's very good. But it's still good, and it has the... <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll do the bombs, don't worry. I just have to say, you guys are so fun. This is awesome. I specialize in a very specific type of security. Subconscious security. Are you dream. talking about dreams? Yeah. Yes! Woo! So good. Mr. Cobb has a job offer he would like to discuss with you. What kind of work placement? I actually love Ellen Page in this movie. Oh, I'm I not exactly too. a big fan of her. And That's Michael Caine. Create yeah. the world of the dream. That was my favorite. I was That's like, uh-oh. We bring the subject into that dream, and they fill it with their secrets. Then you break in and steal it. Well, it's not strictly speaking legal. I remember like it's the called trailer Inception. the first time you saw us, so you were watching like people just floating in the air and rooms rotating like oh, shit. Yeah, it's happening. I think I found a way home. And this last job, that's how I get there. Dreams feel real while we're in them. 
It's only when we wake up that we realize something is actually strange. It's a sore responsibility. We're not prepared for this. I love that exchange. It's really uh, yeah. It's like, I'm sorry. Okay. Calm down. Oh, so good. Dreams collapsing. Have it under control. to see out of control. Yeah, this movie's sick. Uh, I want to go watch it again. Me too. Right I was now. just like, I was like, like right please watch now. it now. I'm afraid to dream a little bigger, darling. Ah, there you are. Yeah. So good. It's like, just so it's, sweet. It's crazy. It's six years ago already. Yeah. I can't believe that movie came out six years ago. I remember distinctly wow. watching it in theaters. Like, yeah. It's also one of those movies that, uh, because it is like the sci-fi genre and it has that action thing, there's, there was a swing back in terms of people actually being able to give it credit as like a true masterpiece. Right. It's like the next few years were filled with a lot of people sort of just being like, well, yeah, that movie's like pretty good, but it's just sort of a, you know, it's like just borrows a lot of concepts from other sci-fi. And, and then like looking back on it, you're like, yeah, actually this movie's just amazing. Just it's, really good. When people try to discredit anyone for borrowing anything from any point in time, yeah. mm-hmm. it's just like, what are you talking about? Look at the Kubricks and Spielbergs yes. and, and Andersons and Aronofskys and Tarantinos of the world. That's what makes them brilliant. Yeah. you got to pull from things that work. Yeah, it's classic. So, uh, guys, we're going to jump into the next part of the show. It's just thesis statement. This is that part of the show where you have something, a big, bold thought, something strong that you've prepared. Uh, it's kind of almost like rooted in hyperbole. Your biggest feeling about the movie that you're going to kind of stick to the rest of the show. Uh, it shouldn't be soft. It shouldn't be this is my favorite this mm-hmm. or uh, mm-hmm. there's a great scene in this. It's This is the first this, the greatest this, something like that. So we kind of stick with that, and I'm going to jump in first and say that uh, right off the bat, this is Christopher Nolan's greatest film, period. <laughs> and I, I was on the fence because I like some of his movies a lot. I mean, I like a lot of his movies a lot. I think he's got nine movies. Seven of them are in the IMDb two, Top 250. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and Two of them are in the Top 15. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Dark Knight. This, this and Dark Knight. Wow, I didn't yeah. notice this was that high. Um, and I just when I watched it again, I was like, this is just a brilliant movie. It takes so many of the things that made Dark Knight a successful film, so many things that make his sort of like... You know he does that thing in his action sequences where he... It's like he's showing you a montage of scenes without actually a montage. It's like, quick cut, you see a guy, you know, it's like Joseph Gordon-Levitt, like, arranging something to set up a dream mm-hmm. state while DiCaprio's talking to Ellen Page in a different scene. And you kind of, you get, like, him doing yep. his whole motion without actually saying anything as part of a different scene. So it's almost like he's moving the plot forward, he's showing you what's happening, and it... I don't know, it's this, this it's like swift style of editing that Nolan uses a lot in Dark Knight... A lot in, so good. in Rises, yeah. and it's a ton in this movie. Yeah, and you know what? I'm going to piggyback on that because it's basically, I have basically the same thesis, and that's yeah. that this is Christopher Nolan's masterpiece. Uh, the following and this movie are the only two movies up until this point that he'd done that were just strictly his creation. Mm. Had no other influence or inspiration or anything. And then I want to talk about his editing because the final part of this film yeah. where they're layering the three levels of the dream yeah. oh my is gosh. one of the most brilliant pieces of editing and storytelling I've ever seen ever. Yeah. It might be. And you're seeing a car <laughs> fall. Yeah. So yeah. Good. It's like the car's falling in slow motion so it puts you in that it, you buy in 100%. You're yeah. like that takes this takes 20 seconds so this is going to take a week and this is going to take you know like yeah, yeah. you're like I'm in. There's no gravity in yeah. the JGL version of the world. You have the song playing in the snow world. They, it's just it's just so perfect. good. I mean, I sadly or not sadly, I completely agree with you guys and that's exactly what mine was as well. Yeah. Um that 
you know, I think it's so difficult to be able, like our mind is so complicated and to be able to show that visually, I think that's what he was able to do in this film. Yeah. And I love, I know how we were talking about earlier, like who's the villain, who's the villain, who's the hero. Um, I think he brings up such a great point of like, we can be that for ourselves every day. Like right. you can either be your own villain or your own hero. And it's like, what choice are you going to make? Like, who are you going to choose to right. believe about yourself? Um, so, heck yeah, Christopher Nolan. Yeah. Bravo. Yeah, I mean, like, imagine trying to explain to your friend the end of Inception. Yeah. It's like, okay, right. so it's really crazy. There's these three different dream words. It's impossible. And then he just made that into a movie and told it perfectly. So, piggybacking off the idea that we each have the exact same greatest Nolan film, do you right. want to just do, like, a quick top three? What's the top three Nolan films? Okay. I, I, I can mean, say I feel mine. Like we're all starting at the same point. It's kind of <laughs> right. interesting. Yeah, we might as well just jump right, jump right into that. Um, um, yeah, I think... I mean, I'll go Inception first, and I'll say that my second, because it's it's a close second, mm-hmm. it's very difficult to argue that Dark Knight's not his greatest film. But the reason Dark Knight's not is because it is derived from a former medium, which is... Yes, it's not his own. It's right. not his own yeah. story. It's the best Batman story. So much of that comes from how great of a performance Ledger gives as Joker. Yes. But I do think that a lot of the stuff with Aaron Eckert as Two-Face, um, there's probably 25 minutes, 30 minutes of fat in that movie yeah. that makes it a little longer than it needs to mm-hmm. be. Uh, and just some of the stuff is just kind of like, it's not like this movie where it feels complete. It ends, I mean, the, the ending of this movie is brilliant and it yeah. ends yeah. like in perfect timing. So I, I would, think, yeah, this one too, like I just was thinking about it, like there wasn't one part of it that I ever checked out. Like I was literally like this the whole time. The whole time yeah. And I think especially as, you know, as a filmmaker, any film that you're in where you never, um, because a lot of times you watch a movie and I'm like, what? Oh, I wonder how they lit that shot or how they got this. And I right. go into like filmmaking mode rather than right. like viewer mode and experience mode. And it was like, I was just sucked in. Um, and anytime that happens, I'm like, okay, this is an amazing film. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So yeah, Dark Knight's my number two. And then Prestige, which is just like almost my number one. Do you know mm-hmm. that I just saw that okay. for the first time this last year? Really? I don't, it's one of those ones that I had missed so many times. I missed The Illusionist and The Prestige. Because oh they came so out at like the same time. time. And so I was like, ah, Fuck them. <laughs> I'm not going to watch them. And The Illusionist gets written off for what it is, which exactly. is pretty mediocre, whereas then, The Prestige is a fucking masterpiece. So right, so I think good. I kept getting confused about which one was the one to write off, and yeah. I had like such a crush on Edward Norton, I still do, I think he's <laughs> yeah. phenomenal, but I finally watched it this last year, and it was so That's where I always good. steal my, my Hugh Jackman. Yeah. No! Not <laughs> from that movie! I know, I know. Okay, so yeah. what is your... Honestly, so okay, it's, one of them. yeah, it's it's same thing. Like Dark literally, we just yeah, it's yeah. it's exactly that. I think it's just the order is really difficult for me because yeah. I love prestige, like yeah. love, love, love. Uh, yeah. um, love you know, along so with much. that too, I think a similar movie that um, or not similar, but you know the the Now You See Me movies. Yeah, what do mm-hmm. you guys think about those? I actually didn't see either one of them. I haven't okay. seen. Them. Well, there yeah. you go. Yeah, do you another like one them? to do. I like the first one a lot. I haven't seen the second one, but it was just a long. I remember thinking like, uh, this it reminded me of like the idea, you know, obviously, of prestige, yeah. like. Yeah. That kind of thing. It was so. a weird cast. That was why I think I it wouldn't. looks awesome. Yeah. Like, it, like visually. I feel like yeah, you guys should definitely check it out. At least the first one. I can't say anything about the second, but first, yeah, I, I mean, really liked it. It's a good cast. It's just an odd group of characters. Yeah. That's why mm-hmm. I wasn't compelled to see it. I like all, all of them. I just, all right. Personal endorsement right here. Yes, yeah. here we go. <laughs> uh, I think mine are going to have to be, it's very similar. It's Inception, Dark Knight, and Memento. Oh, Memento's your three. Memento's my three because the first time I saw... There's very few movies that you really remember the first time you watch them and how they affected you. And I was watching it with my best friend at his beach house. Yeah. We were like just locked in the... It was raining. There was nothing to do. And we're like, well, we'll watch this movie. We watched it every day that we were there. We watched it three (laughs) days in a row. The first time we watched it, we... We just looked at each other, yeah. and we didn't like. We hadn't really experienced movies that made you do that yet. 
Yeah, right. Because when Where Memento came out and the time that I saw it, I was probably, what, like 10 or 12 or something like that? 12, yeah. 12, yeah. Yeah. No, there was nothing that I'd seen ever like that had blown that my mind. You know what like the Met movie was for me when I was younger was a uh, Contact. Yeah, Jodie Foster. Contact is sweet. I good. was still like, I think any movie that yeah. makes you literally go. <laughs> <laughs> Don't like Contact. Not a fan. Like, no, but that's good. Uh, I just think any movie that that was my first. I mean, obviously I was so young. Yeah. But that was the first movie when I was like, oh, I love movies. Yeah, um, right. That made me think and made me be like, whoa. You know, right? Yeah, There's I so saw much more to this. I saw Memento in theaters. My dad took me. Uh, Your dad always takes you to the coolest movies. Yeah, as a I saw kid. some sweet movies. As a kid, <laughs> the first movie that I saw like that with with my mom in theaters was Gangs of New York. It was Mulan actually? It was Mulan. <laughs> <laughs> and we both cried. Uh, <laughs> was Gangs of New York? And after the opening scene in Gangs of New York, my mom was like, "Oh, I don't know if we should be here because <laughs> it's like that gnarly fight yeah. in the beginning." <clears throat> All right. Anyway, I digress. Oh. So uh, anyway, that's going to be our top three Christopher Nolan yeah. films. We moved on from thesis. Let's get into fist bump moment, guys. So fist bump moment is that moment in a movie when you're watching something. Something happens that you're just like, yes, this is so awesome. I get to watch the rest of this movie right now. You want to call your buddy and be like, are you watching this right now? <laughs> sure, are you, so. are now. you seeing this? Go to 17 minutes, 23 seconds, and tell me when you're there, and then I'll Shut push play Shut at the up. same Listen. time. And he's like, I'm eating dinner with my girlfriend. You're like, I don't care. Put it on. <laughs> um, so that's fist pump moment. It can be anything. It can be a uh, you know, favorite line, or it can be a headshot to a character, music, and explosion mm-hmm. anything a touching look between a father and a son um anything at all so go ahead. Let's start over on this yeah i think table. let's start with me um i will have to say that moment uh that uh leo and emma are sitting at the cafe and it's the first time when she like kind of is like what's going on and yeah. just the whole thing just lifts i just think that was a moment that i was like you know i and if i remember correctly that that w- that is the first time when you see something that's like I don't know that I've ever seen that on it, on yeah. film before. Yeah. And uh, that, and, I mean, it, the very end. I love how it ends. I love leaving it open. Mm-hmm. Like, I love the argument. I love that, that it opens that up to this debate. Like, did it keep spinning? Did it not? Like, you know, I don't know. I just, oh, I love that. I think yeah. that's so brilliant because it makes you talk about a movie mm-hmm. after it's over forever. Right. Forever. <laughs> and that's what we want. What's that song, You're So Vain? Uh, oh by, yeah, uh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, they, everyone wants to know who she's talking about in the song. You're so vain, right, and they, right. they wanted to say, "You don't know that song? Come on, man!" <laughs> um, it's a great song. It's in uh, that. It's in the How uh, Does a Guy Intimidate? How Does a Guy Intimidate? That's a song and Kate movie. Hudson, my mother introduced me to. Look, we used to watch that film together. Um, my fist pump moment. It's kind of. It's it's very similar. It's it's when you kind of buy into the world of the freight train coming down the middle of the street. Yeah. You're just sitting there and it's just like boom, freight train, you're like, Oh my god. Yeah. You don't even know how to like no. take it in and Leo's look, he's just he just doesn't Yeah. You know? It, it's just one of those things you've never seen it happen and and the only reason it's so powerful is because you're completely invested in the world that they've yeah. created. Yep. To where a train comes down the middle of the street and you're like, fuck yeah, that's exactly what should have happened. Yeah, it's awesome that it's awesome that it's like that Matrix sort of feel where it's like you can just manifest things. But yeah. it's also like there has to be an architect that's designed it. So like you can just put a train in the middle of a street. You know, it's like or you can just you can bend the world and like yeah. it's it's pretty cool. I mean, definitely and the visuals, the fact that they accomplish so much of this almost entirely practical effects most of it's not done with CGI yeah there's usually what like 2,000 uh, CG hours of film yeah, and this and one had like, like 500 less than 500 yeah it's yeah. amazing so most of that stuff is all I want to hear yours because I do have one more okay yeah so mine um, it's it's weird because it's not so much a moment that I'm like it's more like a moment I'm like 
and it's it's that scene when she pushes the basement oh, in the elevator. Oh yeah. Because I love the way that his memories are designed to be an elevator, yeah. like the different yeah, floors, that's and it's an really cool old elevator. And they get down to the bottom <clears throat> floor, and sh- that look she gives, which she first turns, she is fucking terrifying. She is horrifying. So good in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> like just uh, she should. Yeah, frightening. Like she's and and uh, and beautiful and like interesting all at the same time. Oh yeah. man, it's just so creepy. And she's like, "Do you know what it is to be someone's lover?" And you're like, "I don't even know who says that, but this is <laughs> so creepy." You like, feel kind of dirty, I'm so yes. weirded out. <laughs> and she picks up the fucking glass. Like that scene is just like, "Holy shit, yeah. this movie's intense." Because it just takes you from like awesome sci-fi to like incredibly intense, frightening character. Yeah, like yeah. real drama and horror. And mm-hmm. so my other one, my other moment is again another one of those moments where the world starts changing and you've got to buy in, and it's that hallway scene with JGL. Yes, and yes, so, yes, uh, yes. And yes, the yes. reason why, Marissa, can we uh, cue it up? It's actually oh, the scene it. that we have yeah. loaded up. I love this. So the reason I know why, a piece of it's in the trailer. Thank you, Marissa. The reason why this scene to me is so cool, it's not because of the the world turning, it's because of Joseph Gordon's level, JGL's comfort in it yeah mm. he's so he's so used to it and he understands the, the, the physics of the fighting and all of that it's right. so cool that yeah. is great idea we, we can kind of just cue this up while we chat here um, but yeah this it's like it's like the two minute scene of him like running through the hallways and all that um, I mean and so much of this is done practically as well I mean, yeah like that you saw the machine that they used like yeah. the rotating hallway on this set I really wish this was still in theaters I would go watch it right now absolutely yeah. <laughs> I would totally I, yeah I remember seeing. I saw this movie in IMAX, actually. Yeah, did this you? is one I, I, I feel too. like you have to. Like, I, I don't think I watched this. I haven't watched this on TV before, but like, I, I would only want to watch it in the theater. Yeah. And you know, another f- one of the favorite things about Nolan for me is that not only does he work on movies that gross almost a billion dollars, but he's still the guy that's like, no, we're gonna do it my way. Yeah. You, yes. you want to do it 3D? No, we're not gonna do it 3D because it's gonna take away the storytelling of Inception, and it totally would have. Yeah, completely. Yes, fight scene. Yeah, see, again, it's this whole thing. It's like a montage, but not, you know? Yeah, right. right. The way he, he's edited it. it. Yeah, he does a lot of it in Dark Knight as well. Mm-hmm. It's a very, it's a swift style of filmmaking. It accomplishes a lot with a Like, little. it was just such a smooth, it had nothing to do with it, but it just works right. the way that it goes. It's so great. Yeah, and all the slow-mo. I mean, it took him like 10 years to get this movie. Yeah. Yeah, all this stuff. His comfort of running and jumping around is just yeah. so cool. Which he did all of it, like 90% of his own stunts yeah. in that hallway. All but that. one moment. And they start to tumble, yeah. Yeah, this scene is epic, man. Oh, so good. That, that, that was uh, it. Right there was yeah. when I turned and I just wrote it down on my phone. Yeah. How do, so then how do they do it where it's like a rotating hallway and, he's, and they're running on the ceiling, I wonder. Yeah, I would love to know. I want to go watch like the making of this part if they talk about it at all. It's There's a so huge cool. outdoor oh, structure. Oh, it's Steven doing it, not Marissa. Hi, Steven. Yeah, hey, guys. It was a huge <laughs> outdoor structure that rotated as they filmed. Yeah, I saw some of it. Yeah, I just mean I wonder how they can, that like, without cutting, he goes from being on the floor to the wall to running upside down on the ceiling. No, so. literally, it's a structure they're walking on. That's rotating. So Got it's like it. they're having to keep moving as yeah. it's rotating yeah, it, along. Yeah, they're actually moving with a rotating structure. Got it. I love it too. Did you guys see that? So cool. <laughs> and done. Perfect. We can cut it. Is this one of your uh, favorites, Stephen? So good. Definitely one of the top. Yeah. Stephen Lemieux in the booth, people. Yeah, yeah. Stephen. Executive producer, Popcorn Talk Network. How you doing, Stephen? <laughs> 
Uh, good to be here. Excellent. Very happy Welcome to have to you. Show, Rachel. It's like the the voice of the all knowing. He is. Right Stephen <laughs> is the voice of God, and he is the all knowing. We actually have to thank Stephen for Rachel being on the show since. Aww. He was the one that was like, you need to go talk to Because you were here for a different for a interview. Different show, yep. and like, yeah. There's a girl. She's a badass. She's an actress. And mm. She loves martial arts and dance. Yeah. Go talk to her. Yeah. Here we are. And here it Months is. Later. Yeah, it was right after because I did the Atomic Shark movie that just came out. So I was talking about that. And when I got to do a lot of like my own, I always done my own stunts and everything. Like and yeah. I did the dance movie, a cheer movie. And you know, I was, yeah, was, let's, yeah, let's hold. Let's pause for a second. <laughs> let's talk about Rachel for a minute since this is a good moment to pause. So, yeah, so you recently did Atomic Shark. You've got yep. a new movie called Chalk It Up coming out. Uh, yeah. Came that's out. out. Uh, that was so fun because I grew up a gymnast, and to get to be to get back in the gym again. And let me just tell you what it's like to be on a high beam after you haven't been on one for like ten years. Like it was just insane, and I, I have such respect for a gymnast. I mean, I did it hardcore all growing up, and I used to be able to do back handsprings and backflips on it. And now I'm yeah. like, yes, if I can do a handstand. <laughs> yeah, my know? sisters like, <laughs> were all gymnasts growing up, and so we had uh, the beam on the ground in our house, yeah. like to practice on. And I would always like just try to walk. I couldn't even like walk from one end to the other, it's let crazy. alone do flips and yeah. handsprings. And um, so, what what yep. new movies do you have coming out? Or are you well, working so on right one, now? Well, so that one, yeah, the, I have a new one. So that one just came out, uh, and then Atomic Shark just came out as well. And I'm just so excited by people's responses to it and uh, you know they it's one of the best ones that they've had and they've gotten so much great you know reviews from it and kind of already talking about maybe even a second and a third one and that's, uh, on, that's on sci-fi right on uh, sci-fi yeah and they they keep replaying it and replaying and replaying it which is awesome meaning that people are, are liking it and, and it was just so fun uh, we filmed it in Puerto Rico and it was my first uh, I'd been putting out there for a long time like action movies action action yeah. action because um, that's really what I want to do because I love and have this weird obsession with fighting and kicking ass. Like, I just, right. I love it so much. I think growing up a gymnast and then a dancer, um, you know, there's just something about that that translates uh, really beautifully into, like, fighting and stuff like that. And I love pushing myself to the limits and I love everything about what action films are, uh, you know, and it's all about, like, overcoming these massive challenges in fun, you know, creative ways. And I always like to ask myself, you know, um, you know, what movie am I writing today? Like, what kind of character am I writing myself into? And if I was in this awesome movie, wouldn't I want to write myself into the action hero character? And, like, right. how do they look at problems? And how do they view stuff? Because I'm pretty sure, like, Leonardo DiCaprio, like, can you imagine if you're watching him and all of a sudden he's just, like, it gets too hard and he just runs in a room and cries. He's like, eh. And you're like, I'm done. <laughs> like, I just think it's so inspiring just as people and in life to realize, you know, you have that same ability. It's just, like, the power of choice and uh, intention. Well, that's a big part of, I think, what your big, or your, your disruptive clothing brand is yep. about. You always talk about, I mean, today you said I wrote it down, as like being your own hero and your own villain, yep. being your own inspiration every day. So with dis disruptive, like, what's the main message that you're trying to get across uh, to the people that are yeah. buying and no, buying No, thank you in? so much for asking that question. I think so much of uh, why I, I started, why I'm so passionate about it, is that I just love helping uh, anybody that's open to it, like, get out of their own way, uh, and myself included. And I think we... You know, we're habitual creatures, and it's so easy for us to create these thoughts and habits and patterns. And I think I just wanted to look at life and my day and realize that, okay, all the thoughts and the thoughts I'm thinking, the people I'm surrounding myself with, the things that I'm doing, are they actually helping me 
uh, achieve my goals and dreams. And if they're not, mm -hmm. like, how can I disrupt those thought patterns, disrupt those habits uh, into ones that actually do, you know? Yeah, like, yeah we yeah. know a lot about that. <laughs> yeah. Actually, Stephen, I, I pulled a screen grab from the website if you want to throw it up there as well. You oh, can yeah, at least see the, see the clothing brand, um, a snapshot of it. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's, um, it's really so much about, and I'm launching some really cool stuff just of like the um, disruptive movement. Oh, that's actually a different one, but oh, that's uh, not you. Yeah, it's baby. fine. No, <laughs> Kill it. Totally uh, fine. Um, but take yeah, that screen so grab down. Take the, it. <laughs> For those no, on audio, it's, it's that was a joke. We didn't show the wrong thing. <laughs> Disruptiveapparel.com, and it's also going to be disruptive movement because mm -hmm. I'm just really passionate about um, creating this movement uh, to just empower people to realize that you are, you know, you are writing your own story, your own movie every day, and like, who are you writing yourself into? Yeah, so they all have different sayings on them um, that, you know, hopefully make you smile, but also make you think, you know, of like, I don't work, I flow. It's like, is yeah. my, is is what I'm doing, like, how can I make my work feel like more of like a fun flow? Or what can I do to, I think it's just the power of questions. It's conscious questioning. And I think that's what all action heroes are so good at and what they um, exemplify is they don't just get stuck in this victim mindset mm -hmm. of like, oh, this sucks, this is too hard, I'm just going to run and hide. It's like, no, they're like, okay, this is what's going on. This sucks. It's super hard, but what can I do to make it better? There's always a way out. Yeah, there's always, and it, and it starts with that power of questioning. Um, and I think, I just think there's so much power in, in questions and asking the right questions. So that's really what I aspire to do. And yeah, I launched my um, ebook called The Disruptive Roadmap to Being Unbreakable. Because um, I used to talk about, you know, being unbreakable all the time, um, mainly because of my center stage story with very quickly. Basically, I. Quit gymnastics, broke my hand, had a really hard time uh, because my whole life kind of flipped upside down during that time. And uh, But I saw a movie. It was the first dance film i ever seen. Completely changed my life. It was that moment sitting in the theater where you're just like goosebumps, chills, everything. And I just, I couldn't move. I couldn't leave that seat because I was like, that's what I want to do with my life. Um, I was so inspired by just uh, that film. And very long story short... Uh, a lot of ups and downs, a lot of challenges along the way. People telling me that I was crazy for thinking that I could be successful as an actress. Um, and me just keep fighting, keep watching. I kept watching that movie for inspiration. And when I felt homesick and lonely and scared and sad. Um, and one day I saw a casting call on the wall for Center Stage 2, which is literally the sequel to that same movie. And, uh, you know, my heart dropped, almost didn't go. Tried to justify all the reasons why I shouldn't go. And um, thank goodness I did, because I went in six times for that movie, but I ended up playing the lead in the sequel to the wow. film that literally, you know, was my life-changing movie. That's so crazy. That's unbelievable. So I'm going to be in Warrior 2. <laughs> yes! Me too! Together! Yes. We'll do it together! Boom! Woo! That is an epic film, by the way. Warrior is, like, yeah. amazing. One of our favorites. Yeah. yeah so absolutely. and So a new commitment that I have to myself, too. I'm like, okay, I want to play the badass action hero girl. Like, I want to kick ass. And, you know, that same thing. Like, Warrior would be epic. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, if I want that, what do I have to do? Who do I have to be right now to be there? Like, as if I'm already training for that movie. So I'm, like, starting hardcore. Like, I just decided this the other day. Because I was, right. like, watching different interviews with different people. Um, and I was like, you know, I'm just going to start training like it's already here. Like, I'm just training for my next big action film. And awesome. It's just going to come. And I'll let it. you guys know when it comes out. Yeah, <laughs> and you'll come on the show for it, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes, we will have it on AMA. Yeah, and we'll, yeah. Do, a, and we'll do a full breakdown of the profile. So uh, let's let's talk about where these guys who are starring in this one came from. Yes. Uh, really, their center stages, if you will. Yes. Um, so we'll start with DiCaprio here. Uh, and... This is, I think, this is an interesting part of his career. This is, I was when I was pulling the, mm -hmm. the the numbers for or the the movies for this. It it really was. This is kind of like a, a lull almost. Yeah, it's weird. And he's DiCaprio. I think you could argue is the biggest actor in the world. I mean, yeah. 
it's like it's a toss-up. There's three yeah. or four guys you can think of who kind of fit the bill for different reasons. But he has a strong case for being at least one of those guys, if not the guy. Totally. And he's been that guy for so long in different ways, right? So originally it's like Titanic, What's Eating Gilbert Grave, mm-hmm. This Boy's Life, Marvin's Room, all those movies uh, prior to Titanic, and then he, Man in the Iron Mask. So then he, he gets massively famous, takes a break, comes back four or five years later, Catch Me If You Can, Gangs of New York. Oh my gosh, Catch Me If You Can. That yeah, was like so good. so good. And there's this feeling like, okay, so we actually, we can respect DiCaprio. He's actually a good actor. It's like the generation that watched Titanic, they were now in their late teens. Right, it was like Titanic and Romeo yes. and Juliet. Everyone just thought he was just like a heartthrob. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All the guys that had to listen to their like 11 and 12 year old girls <laughs> at school talking, everybody's like 18, 19 now. So it's like, oh, actually, these movies are pretty good. So then he does that for a few years. He starts to get on the Scorsese path, right? Where he does, I think, I think Aviator is just a few years after that. It's this like, guy's in with Scorsese and Nolan. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, you know, Blood Diamond. But then, weirdly enough, it's like he was like that guy for a second. Like, mm-hmm. like I said, Aviator yep. was a big one. Blood Aviator Diamond. Aviator was amazing. Yeah, yeah, there's a handful of movies right around that are these huge, just centerpiece movies. But then, for whatever weird reason, it's like. He kind of fell off a little bit. Not in terms of the movies weren't big. It's just like no one cared as much. Body of Lies was a flop. Revolutionary Road was Sam Mendes. It was hyped. Yeah. Kind of a flop. Shutter Island. People like that movie, but it's not referenced like these others. It's people, not like right. Wolf people of like Wall to, Street. People like to hate on that movie, yeah, even though I totally. really like yeah, that it's movie. Really good. Um, I think he was just doing that thing of oversaturation. Uh, when you're the leading man and you are the biggest leading man in the world and you just see him in movie after movie after movie. It's even like when D-Day Lou does a movie like two years after his previous one you're like really? Yeah. You're doing another one? Yeah. You're gonna do Nine the musical that no one's gonna watch and yeah. completely forget about? Okay go it's ahead. It's weird that that movie happened. It's really weird but yeah. that's the same thing as like Body of Lies. <laughs> I mean it's basically I mean he did Departed in 06. That one best picture. Yeah. Yes. And then it's his next four years are sort of this like head scratcher. It's really weird. But then Inception's 2010 and mm-hmm. pretty much the last five or six it's been like he won his Oscar yeah. finally for Revenant. Mm-hmm. Right? You've got um, yeah, Wolf of Wall Street. Wolf of Wall Street, Street Inception. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess in there, though, there's still a few, because J. Edgar was kind of a flop. Yeah. So was uh, so was Great Gatsby. Uh, yeah, it's just so good. I feel yeah. like that one... Yeah. I feel like Great Gatsby, I, I was, like, super resistant to watching it, and then I, I, I it ended up on yeah. TV one day, and I was like, all right, I'll watch a few minutes of this. I sat yeah. down for the whole two and a half yeah. hours, watched it from beginning to end. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah, he's a fascinating actor. I mean, his career's been pretty diverse, and he's done more awesome things than... Most people we can think of. So. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I love how even, you know, I think throughout all of that, I think he's still is so humble, mm-hmm. um, especially, you know, just at the, la- the last Oscars with winning Revenant. I mean, you're listening to some of his, his speeches and just who, who he is and personifies. It's like this very grounded, humble person um, that just loves and is passionate about filmmaking. Yeah. I think that's so beautiful. Um, I could be completely wrong. I don't know him, <laughs> but just what he gives off. Uh, and I think... There's a lot of people that, you know, with all of his success and maybe ups and downs through his career could could not be that way. He, uh, yeah, when, he when he won that Daryl. award, yeah, yeah, our good buddy was uh, was working at the Oscars and uh, was it the SAG Awards that he did it? SAG. It was SAG. He won the SAG Award and Daryl, when the question was like, hey, I just want to know what what song was playing in your head when you found out you won the award? Mm. And he starts laughing and he's like, oh, I really, I, you know, I, I'm going to think about that. I'm going to think about that. I want to give you a real answer. And then he, afterwards, he walked up to Daryl in the press room. And he's like, hey, I wanted to talk to you for a second. It's a <laughs> great question. That. And he told him, it was like, it's a perfect day. It was the song that yeah. was playing. Oh, my god! And that song was playing, thanks for asking. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. He went out See, of his way. See, that's like yeah. such a great character. I, I, I love hearing that story. That makes me so happy. Absolutely. Yeah. Go Leo. Uh, Daryl's so, also a boss, so. Daryl is a badass, <laughs> yeah. So you got Joseph Gordon-Levitt on the other hand here. And 
Joseph Gordon-Levitt has such an interesting career trajectory, path, whatever you want to call it, because, you know, he's very... He was very <laughs> successful as a child actor on Third Rock from the Sun and other mm-hmm. things that he did. And then he kind of like took a break and then he came back and we were I think we all as an audience were like, Really? You're gonna you're gonna you're coming back. You're yeah. that kid, right? Uh, and then my favorite thing about him is that he's got this leading man, A list quality and personality, yet he still does movies that no one's ever heard about. Yeah. And he mm-hmm. loves doing these small indies. And so you look he does G.I. Joe Rise of the Cobra 2009 super funny that he would do that movie it's hilarious yeah. then the next one is Hesher I've seen Hesher which is good yeah. it's interesting it's a weird movie yeah it's a weird one kind of like uh, Don John yeah it's a little black comedy <laughs> and then the next one's Electra Lux which is a movie that like no one even knows about I never heard of it and he's like second build on it yeah yeah so for him I mean, people just know People just know you put him in a role and he's going to do a great job. Yeah. And he just picks things that he wants to do. I mean, Dark Knight Rises, Inception, mm-hmm. Looper. Uh, those are all ones that jump out as like really, really like hits. Yeah. I didn't watch The the Walk. Yeah, I was going to say, did you guys see The Walk? I actually saw that on a, on a plane. And good. I was, there was definitely moments where I was like, wow, this is a really, it is a really cool story. I mean, he always does an amazing job. I think yeah. regardless of whatever yeah. the actual film is, he is always an actor that I'm like, I believe you. Yeah. Every time. You loved uh, 50-50, right? It's like one of your favorite I movies. Love I love 50-50. I uh, love that movie. Love it. Yeah, it makes me cry every still time. I watched it. Still makes you cry every time. And tear up. My mom actually and I would watch that as a kid. Often. <laughs> <laughs> I actually did watch that with my mom, and she was like, yeah, it's okay. I was <laughs> like, no! Too, what was the other one? He did like the 500 Days of Summer. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes, that's another. Like, fucking great. That was a big such one. Such a great movie. That was movie. a big one for his career. It really was. And it was so real. It's like the best, like, like the best breakup movie ever made. Do you know yeah, I've really never is. seen that movie? 500 Days? I was working at Blockbuster oh, when it came it. out, yeah. and everyone was raging about it, and it was, I just kind of was like, nah. Yeah, I think it's just so real, you your, know? Like, yeah. uh, it's so real. In your breakup period, when you were living on my couch? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> that was the, that was the movie you should have watched. Yeah, but instead I watched Warrior and got blackout drunk every night. Well, in my breakup period, when I was living on Dave Mason's couch, I watched that movie. So Warrior I or 500? Both. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's enough about our sad lives. Let's move right on into production development. This is why we love movies so much. <laughs> yeah, right? So, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's keep talking production development. So, yeah, it took 10 years for this movie to get made. Um, the, the interesting Amazing. thing about this here is that Nolan is basically the sole guy, guy behind all of it. Yeah. He wrote the whole script. He's He and his wife are the only producers, mm-hmm. and he directed it, which is like, how can you do that with this movie? It's, it's like this insane. Mo- <laughs> movie is epic. Uh, well, it's like him and his brother work together so much that I think, in my mind, and for people that are kind of movie buffs but aren't like obsessed with Nolan you just kind of assume that they work on everything together because everything they write is so just deep and intricate mm-hmm. and, and confusing and, and so hard to explain so like to think that one person could write this story is beyond me I'm like what am I doing with my life yeah it's unbelievable. and then it was just him and his wife that produced it like yeah. they've usually on films like this you have a lot more producers yeah you know, we talked about that was it last week on the show how many producers there's normally involved in these things? Yeah, and then there was just one, and that's why it was so crazy. Yeah, um, I can't remember what the one, what the one that it was. was it Ronan. Uh, yeah, I think it was Ronan. Yeah. Right, it was just. Yeah, is that my phone that's going I crazy? I think it is your phone because I was trying to find <laughs> if I, if we were totally correct about. I was trying to find if we were totally correct about the producer thing because yeah. I know that the two of them work on everything together, but it still sounds crazy. That we'll have to check that out. <laughs> it's definitely on airplane mode, guys. I don't know why we're getting the buzzers. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, in any case, it's amazing. He and his wife uh, met actually back in college, and they uh, they would like screen movies to finance their projects together. So cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, they uh, they've been together forever. It's it's, un- it's unbelievable. I mean, they've worked on so many things together. Uh, 
It's uh, Christopher Nolan's ten favorite movies. This is kind of an interesting one. Our uh, our 2001 Space Odyssey, The Black Hole, Blade Runner, Chinatown, The Hitcher, Lawrence of Arabia, On Her Majesty's Secret Service, Star Wars Episode Four, A New Hope, The Man Who Would Be King, Top Copy from 1964. Love Top Copy. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. <laughs> uh, I gotta go watch all these movies, right? And this is as well as anything by Stanley Kubrick. I think it's cool that this is an actual like thing that he named his ten. Yeah, movies. that's yeah. awesome. I couldn't do that. The gun to my head. Yeah, I'd be interested because I want to go now watch all these movies and see. I'm, I'm sure that he. This is where he pulls a, a lot of right. his inspiration from. So it's just really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he and his wife uh, at the University College of London uh, would screen movies, and uh, she has produced every single one of his films. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, there was a there was a run of three that he didn't produce, which is Insomnia, Memento, and I believe Batman Begins. And yeah. then mm-hmm. he's been a producer on all the rest of them. And actually, recently Nolan's actually gotten into production now as well. So he used to just be pretty much exclusively a director. Now he like uh, Transcendence. He was a producer mm-hmm. on both the Man of Steel movie and yep. uh, uh, Batman vs Superman. What did you guys think of Man of Steel? Uh, I I like Man of Steel a lot more than most people. I think I think Man of Steel is pretty mediocre, but the second trailer is phenomenal. Yeah, but <laughs> but Batman vs Superman, Ben and I were both appealed in yeah, the theater. It's pretty bad, it's pretty movie. bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, why do you have? Oh no, I'm just opinions? I'm just interested. Just curious. I'm just curious. Yeah. Uh, I think there's you know I think uh, there's you can if you're a really hardcore uh, critic. I think there's a difference. Like if I have like critic hat on, yeah, I could obviously go down the list. But if I'm just like viewer audience step outside mode, yeah. I thought it was good. I like Man of Steel. Yeah, yeah, Man of Steel. I thought it was good. Man of Steel. I, I've said over and over again, the best parts of Man of Steel are the scenes are when he's not <laughs> Superman. When he's not Superman. Yeah. It's yeah. the scenes when he's a kid or Clark Kent with Kevin Costner. Those yeah. are all the scenes I like. Yeah. And then when he's fighting Zod, I just like I check out after <laughs> five minutes. <laughs> Actually, and all the scenes with Diane Lane are pretty great. Yeah. Too. Well, it's because you're in love with I Diane Lane. <laughs> what I love is that Christopher Nolan um, and Wally Pfister are at the camera for every single shot in the entire film. They don't use second units. They don't use second That's units amazing. on a movie that costs almost a half a billion dollars to make. Yeah. You don't have a second unit. So like, guys, for those of you who don't know, because it's not like the most common thing yeah, to know what absolutely. that is, uh, the second unit in a, in a film crew is usually mm-hmm. you'll hire like an assistant director, the second AD, or the second second, especially in these big ones, we will go do the action scenes for you. Mm-hmm. Let's say there's a motorcycle chase where guys have helmets on. Uh, the, the like stunt crew and yeah. Yeah. yeah a lot of that stuff gets shot in a, say like another location that the director's not going to yep. go to because there's so much coverage the director mm-hmm. has to get Nolan insists to be there for every shot in his movies that's unreal every shot him and Wally like, does any other director do that I'm there, sure there's some we don't know, but this is a right. pretty big one for that. Right. Yeah, for this type of movie on this like grand of a scale to do yeah. that, again, labor of love, man. That's why these directors are going to transcend time. That's like when we had Gavin O'Connor on yep. the show, like everything that he talked about, you're just like, that's why you're awesome. Yeah. That's why I love See, and, and respect your movies. See, and that's what like being disruptive is to me, is like the people that are like, no, I know what yeah. I want, I know what I can do, like I like and honor that, you yeah. know? And then you just, you demand a certain respect and like, you know, admiration, uh, and I think that all comes from that confidence. Like, he's got to have ridiculous confidence in himself yeah. to be able to do that. Yeah, our buddy's working on Dunkirk right now. And wow. uh, he said that Nolan's, like, absolutely just very specific. Yeah. Very specific. And that's exactly what he wants. He's, like, done it before. You can just tell it's a switch. Because yeah, he just went from working on The Revenant to Dunkirk, essentially, where you have, like, the polar opposites of directing yeah. style. Yes. There. Uh, but... Let's move on past that. That's not really something for us to talk about. Uh, That's writers, directors, producers. Perfect. So let's get into Box Office. This was Mm. produced by Warner Brothers. It cost $160 million to make. Modest. 
Yeah, very cheap, actually, <laughs> considering how much it made. How much movies cost now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have, have, did I miss the part in the last five or six years where movies just went from costing, like, oh, 160, 170 was pretty normal for a mm-hmm. big movie to, like, the big ones cost, like, three, four, five hundred now? I think it was Transformers that started to do that. I just, for some reason, I feel like that's when it started happening, was, like, the second Transformers. Yeah. When they were like, it's going to ca- it's gonna cost a half a billion dollars to make. Yeah, it's, it's, that's a thing, right? That's like, that's I'm not making that up. All these I mean, big ones. Batman Haggerty's Re- talking about the, the Civil War budget for both those movies, and it is over a billion. I can't give a specific number, but yeah. it's over a billion dollars wow. for two movies. Yeah, I mean, that's un- it's unbelievable. The, 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 yeah, the money's... Buy a country. Well, I feel like that's just so interesting, because if this was news for 160, I mean, this is like an epic film with incredible, like... Practical in, like, effects. Incredible yeah. effects. Uh, you know, and I would, I would choose these effects way over, I would, you know... Uh, Transformers, like I mean, that's yeah. So I'm like, I'm just wondering what interesting, interesting thought. I mean, when you talk about that kind of money, it's like, all right, if you're gonna if you're gonna talk about four or five hundred million dollars, let's just say, in our minds, we're like, there's this incredibly beautiful three million dollar home in Malibu, and we want to blow it up for a shot. It's like, all right, buy it, we'll blow it up. Buy it's like, it. what? Buy it, blow it up. <laughs> that's like actually the way you could think with a budget like that. Absolutely, yeah. you could just blow it up. Well, that's <laughs> like you know, our buddy, our buddy just got back from shooting Furious Eight. And they're like, no, 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 no. When we cut a Ferrari in half, we cut a Ferrari in half. Yeah. You have to do it for the shot, and then we toss it. I'm like, you don't use kit cars? He's like, fuck that. We don't. You know how much money we have? Yeah. Like, it's one of those things. Wow. That's exactly how he talks. It's exactly <laughs> how he talks, actually. Uh, so back to what we're talking about. The budget's $160 million. It came out in July of 2010. It grossed $292 million domestically, which was great, but it went nuts worldwide. worldwide. $532 million for a gross of $825 million. And that's just the cast, I think. I mean, Nolan's name Nolan's name is big worldwide, but at the point that he made this movie, his name was not synonymous with, like... No, Christopher Nolan and even kind of Joseph Gordon-Levitt and definitely Tom Hardy. Yeah. Yeah, they, this no one is really like cared about him that much. Yeah, I mean, the Batman movies were huge, but they hadn't become... It hadn't... Because I don't think uh, Rises was before this, right? It was Rises, after. After. This yeah. is between mm-hmm. Dark Knight and Rises. So I mean, Dark Knight had been this big thing, but like, it's kind of crazy. I guess it's Le- it's the power of Leo. I'm not really sure how this movie made so much money worldwide. I think it's just because the people. It was one of those movies that everybody was like, "You have to go see it. You yeah. have to go see. You have to go see yeah. it." I think the power of like word of mouth is still like the best. Yeah, you can have amazing ad campaigns, but like if it's if it's not good, people aren't going to go. I mean, if not for Titanic, this would be Leo's highest grossing movie. You know, we have. Uh, we have Titanic as his all-time at two, <laughs> wow. two 2.1 billion, uh, and these are all real numbers, not right, adjusted with a re-release. Yeah, worldwide. But I mean, uh, yeah, with Inception, like you're, you're in the 600s. You know, Revenant. It's crazy. The Revenant. I was going to say, I think the fact that Revenant mm-hmm. grossed a half a billion is because that's just because of Leo and Hardy's star power. Yeah, at this point, I mean, yeah. Django, Wolf, Catch Me If You Can, Gatsby, <laughs> Shutter Island, Departed, He's Aviator. Such a gangster. Yeah, look at that. <laughs> look at that. <laughs> so amazing. <laughs> like, every one of those movies is great. You're like, oh yeah. Classic, one best picture, classic, <laughs> nominated for best actor. Yeah, yeah. unreal. Um, so critically, this movie got an 8.8 on IMDb, which is very, very high. It's ranked number 14 of 250. Which is as great as I think this movie is, and as much as I love it, right. and as wonderful of a masterpiece as you I think, think it is. think it's too high? Well, it's not the 14th best movie ever made. That's preposterous. According to hundreds of thousands of people, it is. <laughs> that's like ignoring. That's ignoring like a decade. That's like uh, t- like decades and decades and decades of classics that won Best Picture. All like the greatest mm. films of all time. There's b- how many movies have won the Oscar for Best Picture? Look, Citizen Kane. Maybe you should have came out later. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, it is very high, and I think Dark Knight is like six or eight or something like that. It's very high. It should probably be like 17. Right, sure, deadly. <laughs> uh, it's got an 86. 85 and a 91 by Critics on Tomatoes. That's all top and audience, respectively. 
And I honestly, I think that's fair. I really do. I, I really like. I, I do, do think that the fourteenth movie of all time is like we're sitting here and we both, all of us. What watch did you this say movie. the Dark Knight was? I think it's like eighth. Okay, so if Dark Knight is eighth, then we all just said earlier that this was even above that. So wouldn't it make oh, sense that no question, Dark Knight should not be eighth on the all time <laughs> movie list. That's just, but it's, it's because it's like one of the all time greatest performances of all time. Yeah, it's, it, it's I just because, said all time like three times. It's, it's because times. IMDb is those votings are largely made by younger people who see new movies and don't see old older films. I mean, yeah, that's, so that's what it comes true. down to. It's and, very it's, true. and the popularization of a movie like The Dark Knight. I mean, that's just case in point. That, as great as that movie is, and I love it. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Steven, can we weigh in on this? It's like just on. another critical voice. <laughs> Ste- Steven, and, uh, or, uh, as, as our audience knows, Ben and I always debate about the IMDb top 250 list. As you list. should. <laughs> yes. Uh, but it does fit the trend where the audience score is the highest score. Yeah. And it sh- yeah. It uh, makes sense. Steven, which do you like better, Inception or Dark Knight? Oh, damn. Uh, probably Dark Knight. Yeah, you think it's a better movie? Like you? Would I don't think it it's higher? a better movie, Look, but I he enjoy just answered watching your question. Why don't you leave the man alone? <laughs> no, no, no. Right. I I think Inception. We want specifics. Inception's a better uh, original movie. Dark Knight, as part of the trilogy, is one of is like one yeah. that I could just sit down and watch any time. So Inception, you, you kind of have to be like in the mood to watch. This Inception. is a true point. Yeah. This is a it's true like point. really deep. Sometimes you don't want to be mind effed, you know? Are they two of the fourteen greatest films ever made? Clearly, fourteen. <laughs> I mean, of all time? Yeah. No, I'd say Inception's probably one of the I feel like 14. you have him pushed in a corner, and you're, like, hitting him. He like, just said, do you agree with me? He, he just said Inception is top 14. The, pro- right, the problem with Dark... You can't consider Dark Knight one of the top 14 ever made because you rely on Batman Begins to yep. create the backstory with it, so you can't say it's one of the best 14. <laughs> Thank you, Stephen. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs> all right, guys, let's, let's move on to the next part of the show. We're going to get into favorite line. Thank you, Stephen. Um, thank you, Stephen. Yes. Uh, let's, uh, let's talk favorite line, guys. This is pretty self-explanatory. Andrew, do you want to kick us off on this one? Uh, I, I would. And my favorite line is from Tom Hardy to Joseph Gordon-Levitt after he says something completely condescending and rude. He goes... Your condescension, as always, is much appreciated, Arthur. Thank you. Yeah, I just good. love that line. There's just something about it that's just so... To, there's no one that's better at saying fuck you than Tom Hardy without actually saying it. Yeah, oh, he's so, yeah, he sounds and so wonderful and so nice, but it's, it's so like, deep. Yeah, that's yeah. my favorite line. That, and then honestly, calm down. Yeah. When he says calm down, I watched that scene like four times in a row. I don't know what it was about that scene, but I just love it. What's the line he says at the end of the trailer, too, right before he... Sh- uh, uh, you mustn't dream to, or you mustn't fear to dream a little bigger. That's that mine. One? Yeah, that's a good line. That's mine. Yeah, I that's love that. It fires off their great launcher. I like, um, I like two of them. I like the monologue about the most resilient parasite is an idea, highly contagious. Oh, that's a great so one. Good. It's a really, really cool opening. It's just, it's just like sort of a fascinating. I mean, it, it, it's one of those things where like, yeah, it's true. An idea is the most resilient parasite and highly contagious. You would never think about an idea that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You would never think about it as a virus. But it's wild, That's and that's what sort of what the whole movie's about. So I think that's really, really cool. Um, yeah, go ahead. When you say something like that, there's so many things in this movie. It's like when you watch stand-up. Like, one of the things about Louis C.K. that I think people love so much yeah. is he just sits there and he's, like, self-deprecating, but it's about things that happen in real life. Mm-hmm. You know, things that we all, when he says it, you're like, oh, my God, yeah. Right. So when Nolan's in this movie and he's talking about dreaming, and he's like, you never really understand, or you don't really notice something's weird until you wake up. Holy shit, mind yeah. blown. Yeah. You don't really ever remember getting anywhere in a dream, right? Holy shit, mind no. blown. Like there's right. just little little easter eggs or gems that he throws in there of things that you don't even think about. Or he's like he's like I can't remember. He's like it's like hard. it's like trying to remember a dream after you wake up, right? right? It's really hard. Like all those things, all those lines even though they're not like oh my god, what a crazy line. It they like blew my mind. 
And he does it in such a way that's not like in your face. Yeah. It's so like subtle, but you're like, whoa. You know, it's so good. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I, I have that. a question for you guys. Have you guys ever had a dream where you literally were so terrified when you woke up from it? Like it stayed with you? Like something like, you know, what he's experienced? I've had like a number of dreams where I wake up and it's like, it's one of those things where it was so close to the surface that you're just like, you can't quite decide for the rest of the day if it actually happened. Yeah. Yes. If you're forget, if like, did that happen and I just forgot it? Like three or four times throughout the day, you kind of check back and you realize that it didn't happen. Yeah, those yes. are the ones that trip me up. Yeah, yeah, I've had ones where I've woken up and I've been like heartbroken or like sad or angry, terrified. Not really, but I remember having one specifically a while, like about a month ago. That still to this day, it affected me so greatly when I woke up. I, I just woke up and I started crying. Huh. It was yeah, so I've crazy. That's nuts. And I think what's so really interesting for me is so when I was growing up, I used to have like a reoccurring nightmare that I got eaten by sharks. And wow. and Atomic what's just so really funny that I did a shark <laughs> yeah. movie. Yeah. <laughs> I had like faced my fears. Um, but I it was interesting because I was always told, you know, you're at least I've been told that you're not really supposed to watch yourself die or watch yourself oh, get eaten. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you always wake up right before. Um, well, I just had this reoccurring one that was like, and I'd watched it both from from third person and from like being inside, uh, like of me, and uh, this it, it happened. You know what I mean? It like happened. I would, I would watch, eaten up, blackout, and then I wouldn't wake up till it. And I literally was just, it was crazy. So I don't think just, I've ever died yeah, in a dream. It's nuts. Um, I've had like a handful recently where you guys know how like that feeling in a dream where you're where you're like moving really slowly and you're trying to get words out they won't come oh, out it's the worst. and you're trying to like you're trying <gasps> to scream I've, yes I've had a couple recently where I was like in the dream like trying to yell and then like woke up and was like ah! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I had that one time and I, I think it was after we had the earthquake here a while ago I remember being so terrified that I had that dream I remember being stuck in my dream and I was like frozen just wanting but I could feel myself wanting to get out of it so bad that I literally screamed and jumped out of bed ran into my roommate's room and just like grabbed her it was it was really intense but like what is that that's I what I want to know. Like, what, what, I, what is that? What I want to know is the dream analyst that's watching the show right now is like, these people are, are fucked crazy. up. <laughs> Those all mean really bad things. <laughs> all right, we also have good dreams. We do. I do. Can't <laughs> I talk great. about those. Um, so, guys, I want to keep moving through the show. Yes, before we get to the AMA question of the J, which was submitted by Josh Ryan, and that question, is this sneakily one of the all-time greatest movie casts, which will be an interesting one to debate, mm. um, I want to talk about just uh, Leo's greatest performances. We, yeah. we, we sort of breezed by it because we were doing yeah. the, with the Nolan top three but I think it's like an important one to talk about because we did start to sort of go through how many great things he's done. Um, I will say, Rachel, you should start us off. This <laughs> All right. Um, well, you know, we were talking about this before the show. I think there's too many for me to pick my top three. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. I I love, I mean, Titanic. It's like, you can't. I remember okay. watching that movie. I will always love that movie. Um, if I ever watch it again, I always stop it before it gets really sad, though. <laughs> like, I just watch right. it too much. Yeah. Just too much at the end. But the whole beginning is, like, amazing. Um, and then, I mean, obviously, Inception is, like, it's top so three good. Um, yeah. Oh, absolutely. One of my favorite. I mean, it's probably the top. If yeah. no, But, I mean, Catch Me If You Can was, yeah, like, again, just, like, so fun. And that's a movie yeah. that I would just want to watch again and again. Wolf on Wall Street. Like, I loved. I mean, I, I could probably just keep going on the list. I think I think Catch Me If You Can that was almost made my list. It's like that'd be yeah. like fourth or fifth for me, and that's funny too because yeah. it's, it's like it's a very fun movie. It's so Spielberg, but it 
like it's more watchable than most of the movies that I like of his. Like it's it's more rewatchable than most of the good movies that DiCaprio's done. Yeah. Um, I would put it. It's it's not more rewatchable than the three that I have. Okay. Which, in my opinion, are The Departed, which is mm, so, so fucking rewatchable. I've watched that so good. twice this month. Yeah. That, that, that movie, you talk about editing, innovative editing. Yeah. That yeah. movie is the fucking fastest paced, just so brilliantly good. edited. Yeah. yeah. That movie's unbelievable. Oh, um, Scorsese. Yeah. Yeah. Like Scorsese in his 70s, just yeah. reinventing the wheel again. Killing it. <laughs> um, so, Departed for me is there. I go, uh, what was the second one I wrote down? Did I write down Revenant? Yeah, you know what? I'm actually going to strike Revenant from the record. Uh, I'm going to go Wolf of Wall Street after Departed. And I will say Catch Me If You Can. You said my whole list. I'm going to say Catch Me If You Can, Wolf of Wall Street, Departed. I would have said Revenant, but now the more I think about it, it's like as great of a role as it was, I didn't really like that movie that much. I thought it was good. Wait, which one? Wolf? No, Revenant. Revenant. I love Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, dude, I love... I I I rewatched Revenant like uh, a few days ago, so I'm going to jump with mine. Revenant, definitely... Departed and yeah. Wolf of Wall Street were my original three. You used all of them, and you took out Wolf of Wall Street. So no, I'm no, so surprised out, that Inception Revenant. isn't up there for you guys. It's so crazy because Leo has this thing, and so it's like Departed and Inception are a very similar character. Yeah, that kind of struggling, tormented mm-hmm. guy that's trapped in this this reality that he doesn't want to be in. So that's why I think those kind of go hand in hand. I think Departed and Inception are basically the same character. Um, the other one that I really love, but I, I took him out because he's also—it's also the same character—is the gangs in New York. Again, he's—he's he's yeah. in with a gang that he doesn't want to be in. He's trapped right. there, and he's struggling between a father figure that he loves and a father figure he wants to kill. So, gangs for me is the ultimate. You don't like gangs in New York. No, but I, I love Bill the Butcher more than almost any character ever. Right. He's like my... I like Bill the Butcher. That's my favorite Daniel Day-Lewis character. Really? Yeah. It's my That's number one. one. But I don't particularly like DiCaprio in that movie, and I don't particularly like the movie. I just love Bill the Butcher. I watch the movie just for his scenes. Yeah. Aviator yeah. is another one I just remember, too. I mean, yeah. that's another... Yeah. I never saw J. Edgar, which I heard he was good in I it. I never saw but... it either. All right. Uh, so let's move on to our AMA question of the day, since that's kind of uh, following this immediately. Mm-hmm. Is this sneakily one of the greatest... Uh, greatest all-time movie casts. And that is by Josh Ryan Sports on Twitter, who always that, asks Josh? great questions. Yep. Uh, I think if you, I mean, if you go down the line, it's hard to make that argument because a lot of the people in this movie are great, but also very young. Whereas mm-hmm. when we talked about Ronan, it was like you're looking at you're looking at like like uh, De Niro and John Renault, and you're looking at like Stellan Skarsgård, and you're looking at like. All these people that have these like super super stacked resumes, right. just great movie after great movie after great movie. I'm gonna 100 percent disagree with you. Okay, go ahead. I think this is probably the greatest movie cast of all time, and I think that everyone that is a star or co-star in this film will win an Academy Award or already has in their career. All right. You got Cotillard, uh, Kane, and yeah. um, Leo, yeah, who yeah. have all won. Yep. You've got has Watanabe been nominated? Yeah. Yeah, and so is Hardy. Yep. Um, JGL will get nominated or win at some point in his career. Yeah. yeah, like that's my point. I mean, look at that. The whole, everyone I just said, Ellen Page might. Well, so she did good. get nominated for Juno, didn't she? Don't think she got an actress. She I, get, the, okay. I think got a writing. Maybe a global. Yeah, or a, a Golden Globe. A global. And then Killian Murphy. Like they're all. Yeah. Like, yeah. This stat. This is an incredible cast. Is the word out on that? You. It's pronounced Killian, not Cillian. I never. You say you agree. I agree with you. Yeah. Mm, I do. I do agree. Good. The words out. It is Killian. That's like. I'm pretty positive it's Killian Murphy. I've never heard any consistency from anyone. Voice of all knowing. Steven. Steven. Do you know? Is it Killian Murphy? What if it's Cillian Murphy? That's so it makes lame. Makes no sense, but it's the C. It's hard to... Yeah. 
Never mind. Thanks, Steve. Okay. That's Killian Murphy. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. So we got two against one. I think this is probably the, one of the greatest. I, mean, I don't have a time. strong argument against you guys. I was just yeah. saying there's a lot of very, very strong ensembles that Absolutely. come out yep. from directors like this that I have to think like, yeah, because like, all right, would Boogie Nights be one of the greatest Oceans. Films? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oceans I mean, movies. Magnolia. Exactly. Like, yeah. So yeah, it's debatable. But it has some pretty amazing actors. Um, I do think that Tom Cruise would be phenomenal in this movie. Just, just, to, just to make a quick second point to Cage versus Cruise. <laughs> just touch on that real quick. I mean, don't you think that giving, like, delivering the uh, the opening monologue, like, an idea, highly resilient. Like, don't you think that Cruise would just like nail it? No, I just couldn't buy into him doing this. Yeah, film. I, I'm like. I think you could nail Leo. it, Leo. I, just I mean, yeah, want it. I like. I just loved. I loved it the way it is so much. I don't want to change yeah, it. I'm sorry, man. I take it back. <laughs> take it back. I'm going to do that to you. What's the most dangerous disease? Um, anyway, so let's move on to which category this fits into. This is an easy one. Mm-hmm. Um, there are three action movie categories. Totally ridiculous. Those movies like Face Off and Con Air kind of like fall apart, make you laugh the whole way through. Totally legitimate movies like uh, Terminator 2, The Fugitive. They're just they're very, very grounded with great performances, strong drama. They never really make you laugh unintentionally. Mm-hmm. The fact that we use T2 as one of the examples there is maybe incorrect because I think it's like fringe. It but, might be. But yeah. it is just so good. And then uh, Ridiculously Legitimate, which are movies that are kind of in the middle. That's like the rock, speed, point break. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the greatest category to be in for an action movie. For, yeah, for our show, that, that yes. is. Um, and for me, this is just easily totally legitimate. I mean, there's no question for me. This is just a legit movie to the nines. How are you feeling over there, RBS? I think it weighs between legitimate and ridiculously legitimate. Interesting. In what, why? Uh, just because of the, like, not in like a ridiculously funny, obviously, but um, just like the ride that it takes you on. Like, yeah. I just feel like you go on such this experience that... I, I don't know. I, I mean, get that because a lot of the movies that are completely, totally legitimate are they're just like you know, in just, one you, level. Like this no movie's got so many different things. Your, going yeah, on. yeah. I mean, I would. I guess I could say, in the sense that we just made the point about T two, you could make the same point about this, where yes. it's like so heady, it's like so right. over the top, so much sci fi um, that if you wanted to try to poke holes in it. Which people do, of course, right. all the time. Movies they like this, will. Um, you could sort of say this movie's like awesome, but it's ridiculous if you want a vocal. So I can see it. I still say legitimate, but I can see where you come okay. from. I'm gonna actually I have to that. agree with you, Bateman. I, I think it's totally legit. I yeah. think this movie does and feels exactly how it wants me to the entire time I'm watching it. Yep, mm-hmm. that's why. Absolutely. So, guys, uh, the next part of the show that we would normally do is titled "The Pitch." Wow. Um, and this would be where we would pitch a movie oh. for the next week's episode. So we have a couple things going on. Uh, the next like four or five weeks are really exciting. We got our poll. Um, yes. We have a poll, which I think the two finalist movies that are going to be facing off. This was an episode we did uh, ten movies, eight movies that we can never do on AMA. Oh, and I we, saw that. Yeah. We put them in a bracket, and okay. the last two that are going to be going facing off are the Shawshank Redemption and the oh. Lord of the Rings trilogy. <gasps> yes. Oh my gosh, I love Shawshank. They're both uh, so good. Love. So we'll be putting those on Twitter this week, so you guys can vote. But as well as those, we've got uh, Deepwater Horizon. We've got Jack Reacher two. We've got Magnificent Seven. Seven. Mm. We've got. Uh, one other. My oh, director is in that movie. Which one? Uh, Magnificent Seven. Who? Your director? Yeah, the director that did uh, Cold Moon actually is the film that's coming out in October that uh, I'm in uh, opposite Christopher Lloyd and he we met there. Oh, Christopher Brilliant Lloyd. director. Uh, his name Very is Griff cool. First, but Wait. he also did he also did Atomic Shark and he's also an actor in Magnificent Seven. What's Very the movie cool. coming out with Christopher Lloyd in October? Uh, Cold Moon. Cold Moon. Yeah, oh, and that's like a suspense thriller. I play a southern character and that was like another dream come true for me. So. Do nice. a southern accent? Yes. <laughs> yes, I do. You'll have to watch the film. All right. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> it's um, actually one of my favorite things to play. There's something about Southern characters that I just feel like I something comes so alive in me that I love. Yeah. Yeah, especially this one because this is it's a Michael McDowell uh, script. 
cool. he wrote it. Same, you know, same guy that did Beetlejuice, and mm-hmm. so um, it's it's such it's such great writing. Like it's such a great story, and it's such a it just you know fucks with your mind. Like it's so good. Very so, cool. We will watch it. I will watch it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we'll absolutely we'll talk about it on the show. Um, I think what we'll do is put up that we'll put up that poll. Maybe do the winner next week because I think the following week could be Magnificent Seven. We have like that run of movies is all going to be like directly in a row. Yeah. I think. We're going to be doing all new stuff for the next month. Um, so that's that. Go follow us on Twitter, guys, at AMA Podcast, yeah. so you can vote on the poll. Follow our awesome special guest. Thanks, guys. Where can so they find you again, here. Rachel? Uh, RachelBSmith.com. And you guys can find me at Andrew Guy. And you guys can find me at Ben Bateman Media on Twitter and Instagram. We will see you next week. Stephen Lemieux, thank you so much for doing Woo! the show. Thanks, guys. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit PopcornTalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only, and not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals. <laughs>